got a couple things that we want to do. We're going to uh, do our church business. We do a lot of church business here because we're one body. And as a body, what we do is we pray for the children of believers that they would come to know Christ as their Savior. So even as I'm just introducing this, begin to pray for all the children. We have 12 kids just in the second and third graders class on Wednesday night in Big Life. And uh, I was able to invite a kid from the neighborhood and, and two girls from the, a boy from the neighborhood and two girls from the neighborhood. And I'm praying all three of them need to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And I'm cooperating with their parents and very delicately doing that uh, to introduce Jesus Christ to all of them. And, and I can just see in the future that um, God's going to give me multiple opportunities to share the gospel on their level to show them what sin really is and how they need to turn from sin and turn to Jesus and have Jesus take away all of their sins um, and be forgiven and be redeemed. It's going to be an exciting fall for me trying to reach these kids on Wednesday nights. But we have uh, some families that are going to dedicate their children, and I would ask them to come forward now. And what, what we do for our child dedication is we pray as one church family uh, for these children we do not believe that uh, these children are automatically going to come to know Jesus because uh, they go to church or because their mom and dad know Jesus or anything else. Uh, here they come. All right. Yeah, bring the whole family. Bring everybody. Great. Um, uh, we are trusting that God, by His Spirit, would draw them through the influence of their parents and through the influence of their church to know Christ. And so what we're going to do is we're going to bank on the thing that we ought to bank on most is going to God by faith through prayer for these children. And so what you have up here is you have two families that are following Jesus Christ. And so we share their testimonies with you because uh, we, don't, we don't even take this for granted. Why would we uh, pray for anyone's children if they aren't themselves dedicated to the gospel of Jesus Christ? And Nathaniel, you've just been outstanding today. You have been great. All through worship, he's been making a joyful noise to the Lord, and he's making one now, so hey, we, we're going to run with it, right? Okay? All right, don't, don't sweat it, big boy. All right? Now, now what I'm going to do is simply just be that kind of channel, that instrument for the entire church. But when I do begin to pray for each one of these children, if you would just put a hand forward like this, just... Just an acknowledgement that you're praying for this child too, that, that if you could, all, all of us, we'd lay our hands on these children and invite God to place his special strong hand upon each child um, as we dedicate them to the Lord. What are we praying for? It's right there in your child dedication sheet, the request that you see from both the Vantlands and from the Ferrix. It's right there um, from the parents and from the children. All right, so let's go into this full of faith and praying. First for Jovi, all right? Hi, Jovi. Jovi, I don't think we've ever held each other before, so I don't know how this, this will go. If it doesn't go well, Charlie, you're right here to rescue us, right? You here to take care of that? Okay, good deal. Charlie's my friend. He's a good guy. Um, all right, so you both have placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so what you have is not just two Christians here, but you have a Christian home, right? Do you want to come? Come. Come. Do you want to? Here, let's look at Mommy, though, okay? All right, see Mommy? Like, do you want to see what this funny thing is? What is this funny thing on his face? Huh? Why does he have wires sticking out of his head? Yes. But you are a Christian home, right? 
and you have even shared Christ with your children. I know some of the stories of these three kids here and how Christ has been shared with them. And they're going to share multiple times with you, Jovi, about how Jesus loves you and about how he died for you and he gave his life for your sins. And you're not really a great sinner yet, but you will be, believe me, okay? Everybody is, is really good at sinning until they know Jesus. And, and so you're going to do it in your own way until the revelation of the gospel comes to your heart. And we're going to pray for that right now. You want to do that? Here, mom and dad, put a hand on her too if you can. Brother, sister, if you want to. We're going to pray, all right? Forgive me for turning my back to you. Our Father in heaven, we give you Jovi. Oh, we give you this joyful, wanted child, as her name describes, desired child, wished for, and we give her to you. And Father, you know our heart's wish. Our heart's wish is that she would come to know Christ as her Savior at an early age, that she would understand the gospel, and that the Word of God would reach her heart deeply, that not only would you give, give her over to yourself and choose her for faith in Jesus, but Father, also that you would raise her up to be a wonderful woman, uh, maybe even a future mother. God, guide her steps. Fill her with your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How'd I do? Not bad? Okay. All right. Here we go. It can't get worse, right? All right? He can't get louder. Come here, buddy. Hey, Bubba. Hey, Bubba. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, oh, you're going to sleep so well after this, isn't he? You're going to have a great nap, all right? You follow Jesus. You follow Jesus. You're here. This is an important day to you. It's your child. It's your child. Who, who more do you want to know Christ than this little boy? I know, I know. Praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord for the Bantlands, and let's pray for uh, Nathaniel. And if he does fall asleep, I'm preaching the entire sermon with him on my shoulder, okay? I just want you to know that. All right? All right, our Father in heaven, we give you Nathaniel Gabriel, given of God and also strong man of strength. And we pray that Nathaniel Gabriel would come to know Jesus as his Savior. And at an early age, God, spare him from some of the hardships and pitfalls of this world. Give him a deep, deep love for Jesus and for your word. Keep his heart pure. Heavenly Father, direct his paths, fill him, God, with your spirit. Enable his parents to disciple him into the knowledge of the Savior so that he would walk all of the days of his life with you until you return. Father, as one church family, we pray for Nathaniel Gabriel and for Miss Joby. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I really don't want to give him back now. <laughs> I should, shouldn't I? I should give him back. I should. Okay. Here we go, Bubba. Here we go, pal. Yeah. 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 I'm nice and warm. Yeah. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Oh, so important what we just did. So important. Oh, I hope I get to get that phone call. Oh, wouldn't it be great? I get that text message. Jovi came to know Jesus as her Savior. Nathan came to know Jesus um, as, his, as his Savior one day. Oh, we'll all rejoice um, in that. All right? Now, we also have another special thing that we're going to be doing here in a moment um, and, uh, because we want to honor someone in our congregation. 
but I wanted to put up on the screen for you just the three goals that we have had for the fall and the winter, and we have blazed a trail toward this. Our mission is to know Christ and to make Him known, and, uh, and that, that, that is the mission that, that elders presented back to you in May and then in July again and, and said, this is really what we're all, we're all about. And so we have, at, at, at the beginning of this ambition, have come up with these three goals for the fall. And the first goal is this, is getting into the Word. If you have not gotten a Bible study journal that takes you through Acts and through the Proverbs and through the Psalms, get one from our Welcome Center. And you can literally write, you can journal there, you can put your prayer needs down in there. I got behind on that this week. I went and looked at it and realized I was behind. I haven't read my Psalms and my Proverbs this week. And so I'm going to do that tomorrow. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to catch up in my Bible study journal. You don't have to use this journal, but we are always going to provide this for you you as uh, uh, the church so that we can be on the same page together as we're hearing the Word of God through the messages that are shared in the Acts series. The second goal was this, was to experience Christ in community, to do life together. And we can celebrate the fact that about 80 more people joined into small group community last Sunday through GroupLink, that 107 people are now connected just in small group community. If you then overlap the adult Bible connections, those life connections that we have in the second hour that are also great for fellowship and for community, then we have now, again, the majority of our church connected to each other. And if you're still one of those people that is not connected and you're saying, well, I don't really have the time, yes, you do have the time. You have the time. The Holy Spirit will impress upon your heart that it is so critical to be in relationship with the church of Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus Christ is those people that God, in, in whom God has placed His Spirit. We're going to find out here this morning in Acts chapter 2. They're the kind of people that you need to be with because they will assert through their own lives the very presence and power of God, and we need to experience Christ in community together. And thirdly, this, seeking the Lord's face in prayer and worship. And we're going we're gonna to do that. Uh, I just started this morning with a dear brother, and we started pre-service prayer. And if you want to start coming early with holy expectation of what God would do in our services, you can come here at 9 a.m. and pray from 9 until 9.20 with us before the service, just absolutely routing the enemy and inviting the angelic presence of the Almighty here, asking for the power of God's Word to go forth, um, asking that we would be a welcoming fellowship to all who come into our doors. You can come and pray that, and you can pray that mission to know Christ and to make Him known over our entire body. You can come at 9 o'clock until 9.20, then you can just be a part of that early fellowship that occurs before the service. And I just want to remind you of one other thing that we're going to be doing as far as seeking God's face in prayer and worship. We are back open again on Sunday nights having one concerted uh, group come together called Interactive Bible Fellowship. And I've been a part of that on Wednesday nights where we go through three chapters of the Word. We're beginning in Joshua tonight. We're going to go through three chapters of the Word. You think, wow, that's a whole lot of Word. Yes, but it's absolutely exciting. It makes you more hungry uh, for the Word of God. We go through that. We hit some high points there. And at the end, we simply pray together. We don't just pray for ourselves, but we pray for our church. And we invite you tonight. Our inaugural night is tonight at 6 o'clock to come and be a part of Interactive Bible Fellowship this evening. 
All right? Now I have another piece of news for you. And that is that uh, a dear sister uh, in our church uh, went to be with the Lord today. And I, I mean this week, and I think that some of you today, this is going to be news to you. Uh, Margie Struble, who used to sit in the back corner of our congregation, she had a stroke this week, and less than 48 hours later, uh, she went to heaven. Now, I can give you some great news. Margie knew Jesus, and she is in heaven with her father, just as Jesus promised. She is forever with the Lord now. And uh, while uh, she did not want a memorial service, I think that there's a way today that we can honor the fact that she loved the Word of God and she loved the preaching of God's Word. I want to tell you something. Margie Struble, when she had the chance to get my attention on the way out on Sunday mornings, or even when she went down and she got involved in community, in small groups down at the new community class and then in the Mark Walters class, uh, Margie Struble would stop me and say, Preacher, that was a great sermon, at least what I could hear of it because she struggled with her hearing. And so she would say, the parts that I picked up, preacher, oh, they were, they were fantastic. She loved the preaching of the word. And so she also loved kids. And she became acquainted with several families in our church. And I'm gonna invite some of those students to come up right now, just in honor of Margie Struble. And as we head into the Acts series this morning in Acts chapter two, a couple of those students along Yep, they are going to come up here, and they're going to share God's Word with us. And so if you would, turn to Acts chapter 2, and then stand in honor of the reading of God's Word here this morning. You loved Margie, didn't you? Yeah. You did love her. Yep, you spent a lot of time with her and took her to lunch a lot, and uh, your family was fantastic with her. This is Grace, and she knew Margie, and you knew Margie knew Jesus, didn't you? Yeah, she talked about the Lord. And this is Bryce Van Wart, and Mar Margie always had a hug for you too, didn't she? Yes. Okay? Now, we're going to struggle through words like Parthenians and Carthaginians and all this here because there's a lot of people groups here. There are actually 16 people groups that are mentioned either in general or specifically. But we're going to read Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, it should say on the screen, but it says 3, um, but 1 through 13 here this morning. Are you ready to receive the Word of God, church? You ready to receive the Word of God? Let's hear the Word of God. When the day of Pentecost came, all the believers gathered in one place. Suddenly a sound came from heaven. It was like a strong flowing wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw something that looked like fire in the shape of tongues. The flames spread and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. They became, began to speak in language they have not known before. The Spirit gave them a belly to do this. Godly Jews from every country in the world were staying in Jerusalem. A crowd, gained, a crowd came together when they heard the sound. They were bewildered because each of them heard their own language being spoken. Thank you, brother. How can this be? How can this be? They exclaimed. Um, for these men are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in all our native languages of the land where we were born. Here we are, the Parthians, Medes, Elamites, men from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, uh, Pontus, Asia Minor, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Cyrene language areas from Libya, visitors from Rome, both Jewish and Jewish conf converts, Cretans. Arabians, and we hear them, these men telling in our own language about the mighty miracles of God. 
They stood in amazement and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But, but the others in the crowd were mocking. They're drunk, that's all, they said. Amen. Amen. You did a great job with Pamphylia. That was awesome. That was a great job. Thank you. This is God's Word. Amen. Let's be seated. And that's an honor of our dear sister who has gone to be with the Lord, Margie Struble. All right? Let's... Uh, Again, I just, I'm just filled with excitement. I went back and listened to my message last week, and I was a little hyped up last week. Did you notice? I was pretty excited about it, and um, I'm excited about it here this morning. Now, here's what's unique about our, our message this morning, is instead of focusing so much in on the miracle, and then the, uh, because the message of the miracle is coming next week with Pastor Jeremy sharing in the next section, Instead of focusing on the miracle that is the Holy Spirit coming down and tongues of fire down upon these first disciples, um, instead of focusing so much on that miracle, we want to see the majesty of the gospel in all of this. One of the things that we have got to realize is that the gospel is not just the death and the resurrection of Jesus. The gospel is the ascension of Jesus to heaven so that his spirit might be sent to establish the church, which then becomes the messenger of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The kingdom advances, the gospel advances through, of course, this event of Jesus, his passion on the cross and dying for us, and his uh, climbing out of the grave to demonstrate that he has power over death. But it also comes through seeing his ascension so that the Spirit of God would come down and reverse the curse of sin on this earth, a curse that scattered all nations and all peoples at the Tower of Babel. But here we're going to see symbolically all nations coming together and hearing God in their own language, one voice, one people united coming together to receive that. The gospel is going to bring people together, and these people were prepared for that very thing. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to really fill you up with Scripture. We're going to put it on the screen so that you can make those connections. But if you are a note taker, I would especially encourage you this morning to take notes of these Scripture passages so that you can see, what did I say last week? The Word of God confirms or affirms the will of God. The Word of God is never contrary to the will of God. And so we're going to see how the gospel advances forward. We are forward reading watching the progressive revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the kind of church that we are because we take God's Word seriously. We see the prophecies of the Old Testament and even the imagery of the Old Testament that is leading us all toward this Messiah, toward this promised one, Jesus, Yeshua, our Deliverer. And we're going to make all of those connections both through the festivals, the feasts and festivals that were declared in the Old Testament as well as through this uh, look Looking at the promise of the Holy Spirit in the, the new spirit age that was promised by God in the Old Testament, where God says in the book of Joel 2.28, I am going to pour out my spirit, and people are going to prophesy. Unique things are going to do. There's going to be a unique age of the spirit that is inaugurated at a certain point in time, and it is all majestically coordinated right here at Pentecost, the inauguration of the church. All right? Let me pray that God would reveal himself to us in his word. Father, speak now. We now give up unbelief. We give up sin. We give up all those things that stand in the way of understanding and knowing you better. 
and coming to terms with what Pentecost means for us, coming to terms with what li- having the Holy Spirit live inside of us and the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead would be the same power that can live in and through us as we more and more uh, believe the gospel and become the gospel and behave the gospel on this earth. And we would pray, Heavenly Father, that today you would give us your spirit. Fill us with your spirit. Send us out this week on mission with Jesus, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. All right. We're going to start making some connections. What is the gospel calling you to? What is the gospel calling you to? I mean, because these individuals, it says there that they were all united together. They were praying. In the passages that we studied before in Luke 24 and Acts chapter 1, uh, they went joyfully back to Jerusalem, and they followed the commands of Jesus. What did they do? They waited. And what did they do while they waited? They prayed. Because the word Pentecost, it means, it can, it means 50. It's literally 10 days after the ascension of Christ. Jesus walked the earth for 40 days was seen by over 500 witnesses, Paul tells the church in Corinth, in Corinthians 15. But there were 10 more days before the Spirit descends from heaven. Heaven sends the Spirit, and we see this picture of these tongues of fire. And so there were more days of preparation for these disciples. And what did they do? They went, and they stayed, and they waited, and they prayed. And this week, when my wife and I were discussing this passage, she said, I wonder what God would say to all of us if we took 10 days to wait, watch, and listen, and pray. What would God do in your life if you decided to set aside serious time to pray and to seek his will for your life? That the premise of your prayer was not just praying for getting through the day. The premise of your prayer was not for all the people that you love. The premise of your prayer wasn't for uh, making sure that there's enough money at the end of the month. The premise of your prayer was simply, Lord, I want to be used of you. You've declared it so in your word. What do you have for me? And you took 10 days to do that. I challenge you to do that. What is God calling you to And do you see how incredibly significant your discipleship is? Ten more days, ten more days these people spent in prayer in this upper room as they were waiting for God to work. And here were some of the things that they, first of all, they had spent three and a half years with Jesus. And Jesus was mid-rashing and teaching all of the Old Testament back to them and showing them and revealing to them all of the Old Testament word of God and what it really meant about Messiah. And then Jesus even walked with them and talked with them and explained how the, the scriptures and the prophets taught about Messiah, that the law and the prophets all spoke about him and explained more about him. And so they are, have received a lot of teaching that needs to sink in, and they need to reflect upon that teaching. They were word-soaked by Jesus in the time that they spent with Jesus, in the time after Jesus was resurrected, and he explained the Word of God more to them. And so while they were there in prayer, they had the knowledge of the Word with them. Do you go to prayer with the knowledge of the Word? Do you go to prayer with the right will to pray because the Word of God has convinced you of that will? 
Do you see how absolutely significant is your discipleship? Are you in the word? Are you experiencing Christ together in community? Are you seeking the face of God in prayer and worship? Because we're going to see here God staking a claim upon his church, but 10 days, 10 days more of preparation occurred, so we get to the Pentecost. So we're going to see the gospel in Pentecost here this morning. And the gospel prepares us for complete life change. Pentecost is going to show us that the gospel prepares us for complete life change. Jesus had explained himself as the gospel. Jesus had performed the gospel in his own body, in his own resurrection. Jesus ascended, and Jesus continued to administrate the gospel by sending his spirit so the spirit would come inside of us so that we would believe the gospel, but then that we would become the gospel. The gospel prepares us for complete life change. It says there, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Okay, don't get the wrong image here. Do not get the incorrect image. A tornado did not come through town. Okay, my parents, when Hurricane Hugo came 30 years ago through Charlotte, they heard that mighty rushing wind, but they felt it. The house shook, the trees snapped, they all went over. No, this is the sound. Look at it. Look at the scripture. It's the sound of a rushing wind. It's not a rushing wind. It's the sound of a rushing wind. Ezekiel chapter 37 says that God with his his breath, he's going to breathe his breath into man. And man's going to be resurrected. He's going to come back to life. He's going to have a soft heart. God's going to dwell inside of him. The, the breath of God, not the felt breath, but the heard breath of God. A mighty rushing wind curtsed it, and it fills the entire house where they were, sit, were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. John the Baptist had already promised that Jesus would baptize with fire, that he baptized with water, but Jesus would baptize with fire. Fire imagery in the Old Testament represented the fierce holiness of God and the leadership of God in the pillar of fire that, that uh, led the people through the wilderness, both by day and by night. When Moses went up to the mountain, the people saw there was fire up on that mountain, the holy presence of God. And so we have imagery here talking about the breath of God, something so intimate as God breathing into man is the image that we have here. And we also have this image of holy fire, divided tongues as of fire. And I think that it is no coincidence here that the, this fire, it looks like tongues. It literally looks, the, the scripture is saying it correctly, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Luke is saying they were tongues of fire. Why tongues? Okay. Because, well, tongues had been scattered in the Old Testament. In the Tower of Babel story, you have all the nations that they come scattered and they take up all their different languages. And it becomes very difficult with man scattered all across the world with all the different languages. I was sharing with another member of our church yesterday, and she said, Pastor Clint, she goes, Wycliffe, with their Bible translation, with the technology that they have today, they think that in less than 10 years, they will be able to translate the Scripture in every single language in the world. 
It was a hard task. Ask somebody who two generations ago joined Wycliffe Translators and told you about how they had to go in to the tribes, to the very villages, and listen and hang out with the people and watch and observe so they, because it was all oral. It was all an oral dialect. They did not know. It was never a written language. And so they would have to record their language first, and then they would have the ability to translate, sometimes 7, 10, 20 years later. And here, God's going to speak in one language. They're all going to hear the same thing. The message is going to re- be revealed to them. So we see the 10 days of prayer that prepared them. We see the gladness that they had for the gospel. They were together. They were united in prayer. We see them being convinced by faith that this is a part of their preparation, that they are persuaded. Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he says, I am persuaded that he is able to carry to me, carry me to that cause to which I have committed to him against that day. A part of your becoming is being persuaded by God. And where do you this morning need persuasion by God? Where would the Holy Spirit help you become that person that wants to know and to make known life in Jesus Christ? And so this work of preparation is likely not over in any of us until God has all of us. He has our agreement. He has our partnership. He has our submission, and he has our obedience. But there's beauty in the gospel here because you have people that are completely obedient, and yet God is doing all of the work. The work is not being done by these individuals. They simply are prepared. They are ready, and God is doing this incredible work, and that's what the gospel does. The gospel prepares us for complete life change. What you see here in a few short verses, and Bob Deffenbaugh on Bible.org emphasizes that these are a few short verses. Why? God's got it covered. It's completely coordinated. God is sovereign over this. It doesn't need a whole lot of description because it's completely orchestrated by the Heavenly Father. The gospel is sovereign. It is perfectly coordinated by God. This past spring break, we uh, drove down uh, to North and South Carolina because Jesus hangs out at spring break in North and South Carolina. It's nice and warm down there, and so our family does too. And we went down there, and we were in Indiana. And uh, as I was driving the family, we were probably just in the third hour of our drive, or yet going into the third hour of our drive, and up ahead of me about 200 yards, 250 yards ahead, I see a cloud of smoke, and I see a car go off the side of the highway, jump over the side bank, and shoot straight down the embankment right underneath the bridge. And I say, Heather, did you see that? She says, slow down, slow down, slow down. And it was not 30 seconds before we came to a stop And we looked down over this deep embankment that went down about 25, 30 feet. And we saw this family, the axle on the the front of their vehicle had broken. And the car just steered itself right off the embankment and dove down into this ditch. And so I, I went down there to check to see if they were okay. They were. Of course, the car was undrivable. The car really was unfixable. And so... And here was this, this, this man, this woman, and their two children there in this car. And they had just gone on, on a visit to Lansing, Michigan to see their grandfather. And so 
I uh, collected a couple of them and packed them tightly into the car, and we dropped them off. Then I left my wife and, and my daughter and uh, her friend um, at the, the, the gas station rest area, a uh, place where we, we dropped them off. I turned back around, and I got the father and his son, and we brought them back to the truck stop as well. And after it all got coordinated, it all got worked out, and the phone calls got made, and the state, state trooper showed up, and the record came, and then the grandfather got called, and he came down to pick them up and stuff like that. When it was all over with, we got back in the car, and we said, wow, life looks really sketchy, doesn't it? Anything like that could happen at any moment. And we were just so relieved that we were right there, right on time to help this family. i tell you something, the gospel is right on time. The gospel of Jesus Christ is perfectly coordinated and it prepares us for complete life change. Also this, we see here at Pentecost that the gospel is anticipated in the scripture. Would you put that Revelation verse passage up there? All right, just take a look at this picture that John sees of the future in heaven. Take a look at this picture and see how all these people groups are gathered together. This is what the gospel anticipates will happen in the future. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. How many nations, everybody? How many nations? All nations. Every nation. Church. Church, would you just for a moment, just for a moment recognize that this is what Jesus does? This is what the gospel does? The gospel makes a people of all peoples? The gospel brings all nations together? under Jesus Christ, that every nation is represented here in this future vision, this revelation that John has on the island of Patmos. It's a glorious revelation. It's the gospel that John sees that continues to advance. The gospel, the gospel is preparing us for every nation to come together and worship the Lamb. Now insert John one twenty nine. It says there, this is uh, John the Baptist who recognizes Jesus and it says, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, what church? Behold the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. That same Lamb that John will see in Revelation 7. John the Baptist, a different John, John the Baptist declares right there that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The gospel is anticipated by the Scripture. John from the Old Testament knew that this Lamb that you learn about from the Old Testament, from Passover and from the festivals and from celebrations, that this Lamb, he knew from, from Isaiah 53, that this lamb would come and take away the sins of the world. Now look at John 3.36, where the gospel polarizes itself in its anticipation and says this, when you come to this culmination of how the gospel prepares you to meet Jesus, your life comes down to this, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, 
but the wrath of God remains on him. How incredible that the entire Scripture anticipates the gospel of Jesus Christ, but once you come to understand it, it says, are you in or are you out? It's about Jesus. Do you trust? Do you believe in him? If you have the Son, if you believe on the Son, you have life. This morning, is there anyone here this morning, anyone listening on the podcast right now, and you have not trusted in the Son, Jesus Christ, I would urge you today, this day, to trust Jesus as your Savior. The gospel is polarized here in Jesus. Scripture progresses toward the complete revelation of Messiah, Jesus Christ. And Pentecost is a great part of the culmination of that anticipation where we move into the age of the Spirit. And so the gospel, thirdly, is fulfilled through Christ. It's fulfilled through Christ. It says there in verse 4, as they were all filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there's a takeover. Now there's a replacement. That Spirit that Jesus promised in John 16 would be with them and in them is now working through them and giving them utterance to these languages. And by the way, who are the people surprised? It's not these early disciples that are baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's not these, these people that, 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 that are filled with the Spirit there in verse 4. They're not the ones that are surprised. It's the ones that are hearing this. The, the sound of the rushing wind alerted all of Jerusalem that something was going on here at this upper room. And now these disciples begin speaking in all of their languages, all of all these devout Jews that are there, and they're the ones that are surprised. The miracle is even preparing other people who are seekers to come to Jesus by faith. So the gospel is fulfilled through Christ, even the administration of his Holy Spirit here in Pentecost. Now let's explain how the festivals, just for a moment, give this anticipation of the gospel, all right? The Passover was the celebration of Israel's deliverance from Egypt and how they were supposed to take the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorpost and the angel of God would pass over and they would be protected and they would be delivered and how God delivered them through the blood of the lamb. And so for future Passovers, the Israelites would celebrate by going through the Passover celebration, but then they would actually consume the lamb. They would actually eat the lamb. They would ingest this idea of deliverance of salvation. That's as close as they could get it to themselves is literally taking that in. And so the Passover is a, a predictor. It's, a, it's an anticipation of the Lamb of God coming and taking away the sins of the world. It anticipates the cross of Jesus. But then there's another feast, and it's the, it's the festival or the Feast of Weeks all right? And weeks means first few fruits or the festival of the first harvest. And what they would do there is, is they would celebrate the fact that finally uh, after the rainy season and heading into what was really April or May, uh, that they would begin to harvest the barley first. The wheat would come later, but the barley would be harvested. And so they would celebrate the Feast of Weeks. And what they would do at the beginning of that festival is they would take the first cut sheaf of grain and they would wave it in front of the people because it would represent newness. It would represent a new life. That finally the, the ground had produced and sprung up a new thing and it was the first of many fruits that were to come. 
So in many ways, when you, when you look at the, the Feast of Weeks, you anticipate resurrection. And Christ is the first fruit of, our, of the resurrection. We will follow after him in a resurrected state and be with him forever. But then there's also Pentecost that comes 50 days after the first fruits. Pentecost means 50, and so it's on the day after the seventh week's Sabbath, so after 49 days, the 50th day. And this is a little different because here's what happens with Pentecost. Pentecost is celebrating basically the peak of the harvest. If you wanted to stick around, if you made it all the way there for Passover, and then you celebrated weeks pretty closely to Passover, if you st- stuck around for Pentecost, man, it was a good, good time to be in Jerusalem because that was the height of the harvest. All kinds of fruit, grain were being harvested. The streets would be filled with vendors selling all, all of this stuff because it was the height of the harvest. But there was a change that would occur there. Instead of waving a sheaf of barley, they had shifted now to the wheat harvest, which is the more productive and fruitful harvest. It's the new, the bigger, and the better harvest. And what God has done for us in Jesus Christ is he's taken us from this old covenant that he promised of his unconditional love, where he promises Messiah, and we are saved by faith just as Abraham was. Now in this new covenant period that he's inaugurated his church and baptized his church with his spirit, we're in that revealed inaugurative age of the spirit. We live now in the most fruitful time for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what would the priest do? Instead of waving a sheaf of grain, they would have two loaves of bread. And many believe that the scripture was anticipating that there were two peoples, Jew and Gentile, and they would be harvested by the gospel. And so this Pentecost is perfectly timed by God. We see even the anticipation of the Scripture and how Christ is fulfilling the gospel through this. It's the height of the harvest season. Look at Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 3. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground, and I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing upon your descendants. Scripture anticipates this great day of wonderful blessing. A thirsty land is going to become fruitful again. A dry ground is going to become moist with the power of God. Now look at Zephaniah 3.9. It says in Zephaniah 3.9, For at that time I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech, that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve him with one accord. All of these devout Jews from all of the different nations of the known world at this time are all going to come together, and they're all going to hear the gospel, and they're going to say, how can this be? These people don't speak our language. Many times at these festivals and these feasts, if you were from way, way far away, like if you're from South Carolina, come on, you struggled with me for years with my accent. And it's like, he's speaking our language, but we still don't understand him. Well, here they would come and they would have to just follow whatever the priest would do. But maybe they spoke Aramaic. Maybe they understood a little bit of Hebrew. But they probably had a first language that was not spoken during these festivals. And now they're hearing it. And they're going, how can this possibly be? So the Holy Spirit 
is now going to work through man, and the gospel is going to advance through this inauguration of the new covenant of Christ. Pentecost has come. The most fruitful time of harvest has come, and you're going to see in the, in the next two weeks that thousands of people, through the first message that, that it is shared, are going to be harvested by the gospel of Jesus Christ. It truly is going to be a plentiful age that begins for the gospel. And a fourth thing that you're going to recognize is this, is that the gospel is for all people. The gospel is for all people. It says there in verse 5, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all of these who were speaking Galileans? They didn't get it. And then it describes all the people groups that they are from. Take a look now at Isaiah 52 and verse 10. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations. And all of the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. The gospel is advancing. The gospel is advancing. A gospel that is for all people is advancing, fulfilled through Jesus, now in this new covenant and age, inaugurated by the filling of God's Spirit. Now look back at Luke 24 that we looked at a couple of times already in this series. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. This is Jesus talking to them before he ascends into heaven and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Passover has got to occur. The lamb's got to be slain. Weeks has got to occur. I'm going to be the first fruit of resurrection. And then that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. And moments after in this passage right there at this particular event, that's what's going to be preached by Peter. And all of these representatives of these nations will hear it. Because you insert the photo there of the people groups of the nations on that map. Okay, we have, we have yeah, all nations, all, all people right there, right? We don't have all of them represented, represented there, but we have different ethnicities there. Look, see that guy right there? First of all, these are all real people. Even though these are stock photos, these are people. They exist. Jesus died for them. And God wants them to hear about Jesus. Even though they were raised in a culture maybe that is even hostile toward the gospel of Jesus Christ, God loves that family there and that baby. And those, those folks up there, I think they are Asian up there, and the Indian lady, and maybe this South American girl here, and this guy that just has the coolest beard ever. Jesus died for them. God wants them to be saved. Would you embrace for a minute, church? that Jesus came for South America, Jesus came for Australia, Jesus came for North America, Jesus came for Africa, he came for Europe, he came for Asia. He even came for those people that are crazy enough to live in Greenland and Antarctica and, and the Arctic Circle and all of those places. Wherever people are, that's where the gospel wants to go. Can you embrace that? Now think of the members of your family. Think of the people in your neighborhood. Now again, 
embrace the fact that Jesus came for Zealand. Jesus came for Holland. Jesus came for Jovi. And Jesus came for Nathaniel. Can you put that other picture up there for me? This is a picture of the diaspora that occurred. All right, and this diaspora was after the Babylonian conquer. So you see 4th century B.C., so about 100 years after the Babylonian conquer. Jews got dispersed everywhere because the Babylonians just destroyed the temple. They absolutely leveled it, leveled the temple. And so they were scattered everywhere. Now, sure, Nehemiah, he, he returns to help uh, rebuild the walls, and Ezra is going to bring spiritual reform, and there's going to be an attempt at rebuilding that temple. But the temple was destroyed, and the place that, that people thought that God templed was gone. And so they went all kinds of places. You can see they went as far as Rome up here to your left, and they went as far um, east as beyond Mesopotamia toward Babylon, which is present-day Iraq. And they went south into Africa, and they went north up into Asia Minor, which is present-day Turkey. They were scattered all around. That's the known world in the fourth century B.C. That's the known world. And the Scripture here says in this passage that people from all of those places were there because of the festivals. They were there. Jerusalem swells sometimes to five or six times the size of, a, of its population during these feasts and these festivals. And they are all represented there. The gospel is for all people. And this majestic gospel is telling us here this morning that God worked it all out. God worked it all out for the gospel to get to all people. Now, let me make it real simple for all of us here in 2018, right here on September the 23rd. What did God give his church to reach the whole world? He gave his spirit. He didn't give millions of dollars. He didn't give airplanes and boats. He didn't give anything else. He didn't give additional anything. What God gave the church to reach the world is the Holy Spirit. Now embrace the gospel in you as the Holy Spirit resides in you. Embrace the fact that you are a spirit-indwelt individual as a follower of Jesus Christ, that God wants to use you for his gospel because the gospel is for all people, but the gospel also works through God's people. The Spirit took up residence that day and these believers, and the Spirit then worked through those believers, and people, you'll see next week, began to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. God identified with Jesus in his baptism. Jesus comes straight up out of the water, and God says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Now get this, as critical as that part of the gospel is, the inauguration of Jesus' ministry that would take him to the cross and then up out of the grave, it is just as important to God that you are baptized in his spirit as a believer. At the, at the inception, at the moment of your coming to faith in Jesus Christ, because the gospel is now advancing through you, God gave one thing to the church. He gave his spirit. And by doing that, he made one people. One people, one holy race, one priesthood of believers we studied in First Peter months ago. This is not just something that we can agree with. It's not something that we can be for. To know Christ and to make him known is about becoming the gospel. 
We've got to be the gospel. It's about the fact that we, as God's church, as God's only but perfect plan for reaching every nation, there is no plan B, that we believe that we are those chosen ones that God identifies with and God wants to use. How critical is your discipleship? Is your understanding exactly what your role is in the advancement of this gospel? Yes, Pentecost was majestic. Just as majestic as it is when one of our Sunday school teachers leads one of our kids to the Lord. Just as majestic as when you as a parent are sitting at home opening up the scriptures and teaching your children so they would come to know know Christ. Just as majestic as when you take that chance, that risk that really isn't a risk because God's all over it. And you speak to that neighbor or that coworker and you share the gospel from your life. Majestic is this gospel. So let's bring it to our neighborhood. What do we have to bring to a world of unbelief? Because that's what these guys said. We can't believe this. What's going on here? What is the meaning of this? We have the gospel in us. Will we be gospel-centered people that others will observe and say, what does this mean? That was the question they asked. Does my life beg the question, of what's going on in that guy. I was sitting on Friday with a friend at lunch and uh, just wanted to be with him and rebuild my relationship with him. And I told him about what Jesus was doing in me and how much I've been studying the word and praying. And I told him that revival had been coming to my heart. And look, I don't really even understand. I just know that God is just really, God is just really powerfully speaking to me and moving me cry a lot, and uh, I'm burdened for lost people, and God's giving me success, and pray for those kids that I've invited to uh, church on Wednesday night, and, and so I said, look, God has brought me to revival, and then I turned to him, and I said, and I'm calling you to it. I'm calling you to revival, and he looked at me like, man, I don't think anybody has ever said that. What's wrong with saying, hey, do the word? What's wrong with saying, I call you to a revived sense of the advancement of the gospel fulfilled through Jesus Christ and now worked out by his powerful presence in the Holy Spirit that resides in you? Why wouldn't you just say, today, God, I'm all in? We're going to close this morning with a response, with a worship response. There's going to be a video up there. and I've been listening to this Matthew West song for weeks now. I want you to hear the words and just as you listen, it's just a three-minute little song, but as you listen, would you take time and pray? Would you talk to God in your prayer and respond to God's message here this morning? Would you embrace the majesty of the gospel that's in you because you too have been given God's Spirit? Father, now, hear all of our prayers. Speak continually to our hearts as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.